Anybody ever been to one of those? Don't happen much more for me, I'll tell you. There's a place for it. There you go. Rob's got it. Listen, I want to just say something that came up as we were talking about Guyana. And I just love you, Pastor Shane. I just get to know you a little bit the other night. And boy, I, I, we're so excited about being a part of what they're doing down there. And God is allowing us to do that. We do it faithfulness. But um, we just had a gift. We know it's two Sundays from now before we're going to be taking a special offering. But we just had a gift that was dedicated and designated. And as you know, just I'll say it for the record, as you know, at First Assembly, any designated gifts, whatever it is that you designate those for, that's where they go. I want you to make sure you understand. That's where they go. They're not fungible. They go to that account. They don't go to the general fund. They go to where you've given them to go when you designate funds. I want to make you understand or have you understand that. But we just had an offering, a special offering, to start it off, to lead the way, to encourage us to do what we can and help in the ministry of our sister church in Guyana of $1,400. Glory to God and bless you. God bless you for your faithfulness and what you're doing. I'm putting this in my pocket, but it doesn't have the money in it, just so you know. How's everybody this morning? I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be here because God is good. He's blessing us, and He is going to do great things in our lives. As our men come, I'm going to keep talking while they're coming. They're going to hand you a sheet of paper. What I'm going to ask you to do, if you would, with that sheet of paper is don't look at it, don't use it, because I don't want you to miss all the important things that our speaker is going to be talking about today. <laughs> Just fold that up if you would and just put it down to the side. Put it in the little holder in front of you. Just fold it in half and just put it down for just a moment if you would. I'd like to have your attention because I want to talk to you about something today that has been on my heart. And it's been a real important part of my life. And I hope it encourages you. And as this says right here, we're going to go a little bit behind enemy lines today. We're going to go a little bit behind enemy lines. And I want to tell you today... That there is an enemy. Okay? By the way, at the end of this, you're going to be encouraged and it's positive. This is a negative. But this is recognition of the fact that there is an enemy. The Word of God says that we have the devil. It's, he's, he's powerful. He's clever. He's formidable. He's an opponent. And he's real and active. And sometimes I think the church, I'm not going to say this church, I mean that more in a broader sense. But I think the church doesn't, sometimes calling him the enemy is okay. That's what I'm doing today. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with calling him the devil. He's the devil. He's Lucifer. He's Satan. He's the evil one. He's the prince of darkness. He's Beelzebub. That's who he is. He is not something that should be sanitized. And there's nothing wrong. Sometimes people think, you know, it's getting too much. Call him the devil. tell you something about him, though. He can't make us do anything as believers. Amen? He can tempt us, but he can't compel us. I want to say that again. He can tempt, but he can't compel. We choose what we do. 
That means that as we live in this earth and walk this earth, we're going to experience attacks of the enemy. Has anybody had that happen to them? I see a hand, few hands that weren't raised. Glory to God. <laughs> no, he, he comes, and as long as we're here on this earth, he's going to come against us. That means sometimes we're going to win, and we may have an occasional defeat. But let me tell you something about that. When we are defeated in the battles, that doesn't mean we lose the war. Amen? And that, is a, and, and that is something that I believe we can become victorious in all of the battles when we follow the instruction and the admonition and the encouragement that's given to us in the Word of God. So what is that steps that we can take? If we know there's an enemy, we know he's foreign, well, we need to understand who we're dealing with. Okay, so we're dealing with Satan, the devil, whatever name you want to call him. He is an enemy. It means he is against you. And what he is doing is he is using all the skills and the capabilities that he has to put us in a place where we cannot walk in victory. That's what his overall objective is. It's even worse than that. The Bible says he's here to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Not one of those, all three of those. That's what it says. That's what his objective is, amongst other things. But he has limitations, too. See, here's the good news. God doesn't have any limitations. Our God is the God of the impossible. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent. He's everywhere. The devil isn't that way. He doesn't have all that. He has limitations. And so we need to know who we're dealing with. We're dealing with a liar, a schemer, a deceiver a confuser, a sower of discord. And for those people who aren't embracing of that and understanding of that and really in, in, in maturity of that, spiritual maturity of that, he can take advantage of that. So he will prey on those who aren't full of and understanding of who he is and how we battle him. So we need to understand how he operates. He operates in deceiving and cunning and conniving ways. He doesn't just come at you in something that's just obvious all the time. He's going to come at you in ways that he's going to try to fool you, try to trip you up, try to start you by putting your toe in the water, and then what he wants to do is drown you. See what I mean? Starts with a toe in the water, and then he wants to pull you under. You've got to understand how he operates. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 2.11, in the Amplified Bible, it says this, to keep Satan from taking advantage of the, us. Now, that's in the context of some other surrounding verses, but I just want to share this part. To keep Satan from taking advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. We need to have our eyes wide open, everyone. We need to have our eyes wide open that there is an enemy, and he's a schemer. Don't be ignorant of his schemes. There's a thing that uh, when I was when I played sports many years ago that we had that our coaches prepared for every game that we that we endeavored and, and it was a scouting report. Anybody know what a scouting report is? Those that follow sports, I got something I'll show you. You might not be able to see this. This is a sample of a scouting report of a basketball player. What it does over here it shows scouting notes. You can't read that, but the green are the strengths, the amber are things that he's sort of just averaging, and the and the red are the are the negative areas. There's summaries on the bottom, that, that grid with the yellow and the red there. That shows the places on the basketball court where he likes to shoot the ball. 
There's different variations of that for different sports and for even within basketball there are. But what that is is a scouting report that's delivered to the team to help them prepare for the weakness of their opponent. And I'm here to tell you today that the enemy has a scouting report on you. I'm going to say that again. The enemy has a scouting report on you. He has a scouting report on me. He has a scouting report on Pastor Bill. He has a scouting report because he wants to know where your vulnerabilities are. And he does know. So that scouting report that he has is something that he uses as a tool when he comes against us. Now, there's a great basketball coach. I personally believe the greatest basketball coach of all time. Put a picture of my good, uh, beloved uh, Dean Smith. He's the coach of the, was the coach, Hall of Fame coach, legendary coach, innovator coach of the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, I just want to just step off to the side for a moment and just let everyone know, in case you missed it, weren't watching the news, the University of North Carolina Tar Heels won the national championship this year. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, for that vanity. I'm proud of them. They did great. But Dean Smith was an amazing, frankly, person, if you ever look into him, more than he ever was a basketball coach. But he was a great basketball coach. And one of the things he did with his scouting report is he came to players, and the players that he had were amongst the very elite in the country. And he went to them one day, and he says, look, here's the scouting report for the team we're going to play, but I want you guys to do something for me. I want you to prepare a scouting report on yourself. I want you to do this as if you were looking at, I'm going to play against me. What are my strengths and weaknesses? He believed that they knew what they were really good at and what they were really strong at, as well as anybody. Maybe the coaches could have a different perspective. But for them to look introspectively and quietly and seriously and say, where are the areas that I'm strong and where are the areas that I have weaknesses and things I need to work on? So what my analogy is in using this and what I thought about as I was thinking about this is, what if we did that? Or have we done that? And if we haven't, let's do that. Take some time on your own. Take a piece of paper, if you would. Instead of you already knowing, you're, well, yeah, this is what I struggle with. No, but write it down. You don't have to share it with anybody. No one else needs to know it's between you and God. Take that and just write down some of the things that you just seem to fall with or that seem to come against you and, and, and have a hold on you sometimes or, or things that you struggle with. Would anybody be willing to do that? If you would, I would encourage you to. Because just like Dean Smith did for his players, he knew that that was going to enlighten them as to areas where they could identify their weak spots. And I think if we do that, that helps us in what we do as we battle this enemy. So the other thing we need to do is, in addition to, to understanding that is to be on the lookout always. I said earlier, eyes wide open. You've got to be on the lookout. The Word of God clearly says this in 1 Peter 5.8. It says, be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now let me tell you what devour means. 
Devourer isn't somebody that he's just trying to go in and knock down. Devourer is not something that he's trying to do to just make you uncomfortable or inconvenience you for a while. When it says that he's out to devour someone, he wants to destroy them and put them away. That's who we're dealing with. That's who we're dealing with. That's what his objective is. And the Word of God clearly says this, to be sober-minded. In the Amplified Version, it says this, sober meaning well-balanced and self-disciplined. Now think about those words. Be well-balanced and self-disciplined. Be watchful. Always have your eyes wide open. Have an idea of what's going on around you, where you are, what you're listening to, what your eyes are seeing. Amen? What you're, where you're at, what your eyes are looking at, what your ears are hearing. I want to make sure everybody understood that. I want to make sure I understand that. We want to be mindful and watchful of where we are. You should always be on the lookout, eyes wide open, for where the enemy is. The next thing is resist. One of my favorites. Resist. Plain and simple. You have to resist. The enemy will come against you, but you have to resist. The Bible instructs us clearly to do this. James 4, 7. Reading again from the Amplified Version. So submit to God. It says submit to the authority of God. God, you're in charge. God, I'm humbling myself before you. God, I submit to your greatness and your authority. Do that first. Then resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amplified says, stand firm against him. That's not light words. Okay? That's something that's very, very instructive and very, very serious. And it says if you do that, he will what? He will. Now, it's flee where it's like, okay, thank you for resisting. I'll, I'll just walk over here a little bit. Or it's flee when he takes that pointy tail and puts it between his legs and hightails it out. He's going. He's leaving. He's running. And you're seeing his back, not his front. You can live in victory, friends. We live in victory. But the thing is, resist. What else can you use as a word for resist? Fight is the first synonym that comes up in the dictionary. Fight. That's my favorite. See, I like to say that like, fight the devil. Or you could say, oppose the devil, avoid the devil, refuse the devil, refrain from the devil. Lots of other synonyms you could plug in there. But resisting and fighting, I'm going to talk about that in a, in a minute. Fight. When you fight, you win. In the power of God, not in our power, not my might, not by power, but by my, by my, says the Lord. I can't do it, but when I fight in the power of God, I win. But I got something else on the other converse of that. If I don't fight, I lose. Fight and resist. Recognize your weaknesses. Talked about that a little bit. Everybody, no matter who you are in here, I'm going to put my name number one on the list. But everybody here has weaknesses. We all do. Satan knows what these are. He's got the scouting report on us. And we have to be cognizant and mindful and watchful. 
for those things that he will use to try to exploit us and come against us. I want to give you another quick sports analogy. If anybody that follows football or, or knows anything about football, if you don't, bear with me. But there are five players on the offensive side of the ball that are very important. It's the offensive line, center, two guards, and two tackles. They are the ones that have to block and move people around so that the offensive team can advance the ball and score. Now, that's great, but let's just say that you were coming into a big game, and on Monday your left offensive tackle got injured, and he can't play. So he's out for the next game. He cannot play. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that the opposing team is going to change their strategy for that game? Absolutely. Dave, are they? Dave knows this. Coach football for, what, 25, 30 years? He knows what I'm talking about. So they say, well, look, that guy's out. So what we're going to do is we're going to take our best efforts, maybe our best players, and we're going to try to exploit that weakness. We're going to try to take advantage of that vulnerability. And we're going to do it until they prove that they can stand against it. That's what happens. That's that scouting report I'm talking about. The enemy will do that. He wants to harm us. He has no intentions of any plan for us that are good. And he will take every opportunity and every dirty trick in the book to come against you. Good news coming, though. So the Bible commands us to not give him that opportunity. That means we need to be sober-minded. We need to be, you know, watchful. We need to do the things that we were talking about before, but it says here in Ephesians 4.27, give no opportunity to who? The who? The devil! Say it! The devil! That's right. Give him no opportunity. So that's why if we do our internal introspective scouting report, we can look at things and just don't even give him that opportunity. Because we're going to shore up those weaknesses, and we're going to be aware of them, and we're going to have eyes wide open. The other thing is, we cannot do this alone. Can't do it alone. It's like when Michael the archangel was battling Satan, arguing with him over the body of Moses. That's a whole other thing. It was only recorded in the book of Jude. He is Michael the archangel. He's one of the elite angels, right? He's battling Satan, and instead of getting it all into all the other things with him, and it says here in Jude 9, But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. He was saying, the Lord is my strength, and yes, I am an archangel, yes, I am an elite angel. And he could have said, well, look, devil, I'm one of the best angels, it's going to be me and you. We're dropping the gloves, we're going to scramble, we're going to scuffle, it's going down right now could have done that, but he didn't, because he can't do it. He said, the Lord rebuke you. And I just, that's what we do. The Lord rebuke you, depression. The Lord rebuke you, addiction. The Lord rebuke you, what's going in my ears that sound like I should be a garbage can today. The Lord rebuke you. That's what we do. We rely on his power because we can't do it alone. So how do we do all this? I know you're going to, this next slide I want to show you. You've heard this before. I want to tell you right now. I want you to listen for just the next few minutes about this. 
because this isn't a Sunday school story. Okay, if it's covered in Sunday school, there's not a lot of nice little images that you have. This is a very, very important talk, part of a believer's Christ walk. What we're about to talk about here for just the next few minutes. It's very, very serious. I want to even emphasize that. Just very serious. So we're going to read in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, therefore, as a result of all that stuff in verse 12 that I just read, because of that, therefore, put on every piece, say that part, Every piece, important, some translations say full armor, every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist or fight the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be, you will be standing firm. That's powerful stuff right there. That's not just a nice little graphic in a Sunday school story and a nice song we used to sing in Sunday school. Nothing wrong with that. Just saying, this is serious business. The full armor of God is a spiritual instruction that we need to apply to our lives as believers every day. I'm going to say that one more time. The full armor of God is a spiritual instruction that we, me and you, need to apply to our lives every day. Very important. Because by putting our faith in, in what the full armor of God is, we can utilize all of the capability that each of those things offer to us under the power of God. Remember now, this is a spiritual battle we're fighting. I tell people all the time when I've talked to them about my testimony or about story and what they're going through and and, you know, if, if it's somebody's having a struggle with alcohol, let's say, they say, well, yeah, I'm going to meetings, and I'm going to, or I'm going to celebrate recovery. I'm going, great. It's wonderful. I would never say, don't do any of that. If you're looking for help, that's it. But I always say this. The missing piece in many of these cases, when we're struggling with things, whatever they might be, is we don't recognize it at its core, boiled down for what it is, is a spiritual battle. That's what it is. The things we struggle with and the things that come against us and the difficulties that we face are spiritual in nature. That's what verse 12 just said in Ephesians. It's, it's, it's not something that we can do on our own because it's way above what we're capable of doing. So, Jakey just started, Brother Jakey Carmichael just started this uh, these, these uh, lessons on Sunday morning. I encourage everybody to go about strongholds. But I wanted to share something with you about this in 2 Corinthians Ten four, one of my favorite scriptures. Every time I say that, I feel like I'm just, I don't know why I say that. I have so many favorites. It's like, you know, I'm always saying that. Oh, that's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> I got a lot of favorites. A lot of them were on that paper that I gave you, but don't take that out yet. What's this say? For the weapons of our warfare are not, not of the flesh. That means they're not of what we understand here in this world that we live in as human beings. But have divine power. Say that with me. Divine power. That means it comes from above. It comes from God Almighty. They have divine power to destroy strongholds. 
Some translations say demolish strongholds. How many know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is something that, again, that analogy is putting a toe in the water. It then becomes a foothold. And then the enemy just keeps reeling in just a little bit, discouraging a little bit more, breaking down your defenses a little bit more, exploiting those weaknesses just a little bit more. And the next thing you know, that foothold is a we have, because of the weapons of our warfare not being of the flesh, what we can use are things that include divine power to destroy those and to break up all of that bondage in our life. That's walking and living in victory. So we want to keep that in mind. So what are the, what is the full armor of God? I'm going to go through these very quickly. The belt of truth. One of the weapons in the spiritual realm is very important. It's the belt of truth. It says here, Ephesians 6, 14, so stand firm and hold your ground. Stand firm and hold your ground. Having tightened the wide band of truth around your waist, and in the Amplified Version it says the wide band of personal integrity, the wide band of moral courage. Tighten that around. Now, again, the truth, as we all know, what is the truth? The truth is the Word. The Word is the truth. So what we want to do is wrap that around our waist and tighten it up and walk in that Word of truth. Put that belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. We want to wear that breastplate of righteousness. We sang a song today. In His righteousness alone. See, that's not our righteousness. But the breastplate of righteousness, what we're going to do, Ephesians 6.14, and having put the breastplate of righteousness or an upright heart, it simply means this, do the right thing. When you get up to, in the morning or when you leave here this afternoon and you've got choices to make, how many are going to make choices today? How many are going to make choices tomorrow? Here it is. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Do what you know is right. You know 99.9% of everything that we choose to do. Spirit's working in our lives as believers. I'm not saying there's some, but that percentage might be a little different. I'm talking to who's in here today. Probably rare, if any exception. Do the right thing. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, and then do that. Put on His righteousness. You can live in that because that's how He sees you. He sees you in His righteousness. Put on that breastplate of righteousness and do the right thing. The shoes of peace. You can't go out on a battlefield and not have something on your feet. So it says here, Ephesians 6.15, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news. That comes from the good news so that you will fully be prepared. What is the good news? Here it is. The good news is Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The good news is that Jesus' blood covered every sin and every shame that I ever had. Good news is that Jesus came down here, walked as a man on this earth, but fully God, lived a sinless life, went to Calvary, and in the meantime had three years of a playbook of what we can do to be victorious, how to love people, how to do things the right way. That's what Jesus Christ did. That's the good news. I'm telling you, I'm jumping because it is good news, and I'm excited about it. And when we put on those shoes, anywhere he decides to send us to carry that good news to this community and to this world, he will 
What does it say right here? Fully prepare us. You will be fully prepared. Put on the shoes of peace. Shoe of faith. This is my co-favorite. I want somebody to write down how many times I said favorite today. The shields they had back in the, the days when this, when this was being written, first century times of the Romans, a lot of this was based on what a Roman soldier would look like in terms of the, the visual. But these shields were very, very heavy. They weren't something you held with your hand, you know, like these little plastic ones that my son has that he walks around. <laughs> they had these big straps that go over your arm. And they tightened them down so that, that this is how the shield was. It was on your arm. So I think about this again, being a very visual person, that the shield of faith is something like that in my arsenal. And it goes to say this, Ephesians 6, 16, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. I see this when I'm thinking about this. You ever seen those movies where they light the end of those arrows and those archers, they pull them back and they let them go and they go through the air like this and they start coming down with the fire on them and they come down wherever they're coming to? I see the shield of faith like this. Like it's got a little reservoir of a little bit of water in there. If you're taking a match or a candle and extinguished it underwater, what does it sound like? Shh. Right. Here comes depression. Oh, here comes my chance to lie to somebody. Here comes my chance to take something that doesn't belong to me. Here comes my chance to say something bad about my neighbor. Here comes my chance to stand here around the water cooler with my friends at work and listen to something I don't need to be listening to. That's the shield of faith. All of those fiery arrows, some of the translations say arrows, some say darts, they're coming at you. But guess what? That shield of faith, what does it say? Can extinguish. Put it out. Boy, the shield of faith is important. And now here's my... I like this one. I'm not going to say Helmet of salvation. I'm not going to say favorite again. Here's what I like about this. Ephesians 6, 17. Put on salvation as your helmet. Boy, is there anything greater of being a Christian and a believer and a Christ follower than salvation? When you press in on that and think about that, I just it, it, it makes me emotional every time I think about it, about what God did for me. <laughs> he didn't have to do that for me, but he did. And all that that means, and we won't go into that, but salvation, the salvation that Christ gave to me and that God did when he sent his son. What does the helmet do? It protects your head. What's the most important thing in your head? Your brain, your mind, that helmet of salvation, that salvation that he gave us. As it says here in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your, of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That mind, our 
of the salvation of Jesus Christ, it allows us to change the way we think. It allows us to think differently about things if we choose to. It allows us also to process and discern spiritual truth. We want to protect that, right? And lastly, okay, this is my next co-favorite. I almost had the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. Now, everything I've talked about so far is defensive. I have a little video I was going to show. I didn't. Of these guys doing a sword, having a sword fight. Man, it's a, that's that's amazing. Watch people fight with swords. Let me tell you. This is our offensive weapon, folks. This is the offensive weapon. And what it says in Ephesians 6, 17 is simply this. Take, use, operate with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. This is our sword. This is the only offense. We need to be able to defend ourselves. But guess what? We need to be able to go on the offensive, too. We need to be able to take background and advance on the enemy's position. We don't need to be standing back and saying, oh, yeah, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. No, we're going to come against him with a sword of the Spirit. We're going to take the Word of God just like Jesus did when he put him out in the desert for 40 days. And he's going to use the Word of God to attack him and to move him back so we advance the cause of Christ. We're not going to be defenders. We can defend, and that's okay. Let's defend. But let's go on the offensive, and we do it with what? This right here. The sword of the Spirit. We'll come back to that in just a second. So here's it, here it is. This is it. That's what we do to be victorious. What I have just given you is an important spiritual instruction. Not that I'm doing it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm not telling you anything new. I'm just emphasizing it today. This is truth. The full armor of God is what allows us to walk and live in victory. The full armor of God, when we fully embrace it every day, is what allows us to to extinguish the fiery attacks of the enemy and to take the sword of the Spirit and go on the offensive and push him back where he belongs. That's what it allows us to do. So we've got to trust in that. And we need to be confident in that. And even, I'd say, we need to rest in that. That we can trust that. Because it's already been done. We are more than conquerors to Him, through Him, who loved us. We're more than conquerors. He said, Jesus Himself said, I have already overcome the world. All we got to do is plug into his power and let that be activated in our life every day, put on the full armor, every piece, not some of it, and let's go and get busy with him. I'm serious. I'm tired of walking around and talking to people, and I don't mean I don't love them, I do. But I, and I'll help and I'll do anything that I can. But, I mean, let's just get serious with this thing. Who is the enemy? And I call him a fag. I remember one time a preacher was saying, he said, Yeah, that devil, that old rascal. I'm like, he's not a rascal, man. He's a conniving, evil, lying, scheming demon is what he is. And I want to be victorious over him. And what is contained in this word right here and these instructions that were given give me the ability to do that. Last scripture I'm going to share with you. 
1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is, this is what's good about all that. Don't, the enemy, yeah, there's an enemy. But there's also this. The temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. If you think for one minute that I don't experience the same level, might be different things, of temptation that you do, you're grossly mistaken. They're no different. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. See, this is a proving ground. This is a testing. He's not designing this so you can fail. That's the limitations that he's put on the enemy I spoke about earlier. He will not allow it to be more than instead of when you are tempted, if we do our part and follow a very clear and simple, I think, instruction that he has given us, what does it say? He will show you a way out so that you can endure. And Paul said it simply, one of the simplest but most powerful verses in the, in the Word of God. I can do all things in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. So if I put on the full armor of God, every piece of the armor of God, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me, I'm going to be what? A winner. I'm going to be victorious in this life here on earth. So lastly, I'm going to tell you this. The title of this was There is an Enemy. And there is. We've talked about it. So there is an enemy, but there is a God. There is a God. There is a God of deliverance. The same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob walks this earth today with us. That same God that delivered the Israelites from bondage. He's present here in this house today and in our lives today. Yeah, there's an enemy, but there's a God of victory. The same God that put Goliath into David's hands. He's slaying giants in our lives today if we want him to. He'll slay the giants in your life today, this day, if you want him to. That same God. Yeah, there's an enemy, but there's a God. There's a God of power. The same God that spoke to the prophet of Jeremiah and said, You make the heavens and the earth with your great power and your outstretched arm. That same God is answering prayer today, and that same God is showing up when we need him today. That same God. So, yeah, there's an enemy, but there's a God of miracles. The same God of miracles that parted the Red Sea, made blind eyes see, and deaf ears hear, is living and active and relevant in this world today. The same God that parted the Red Sea, Open blind eyes and make deaf ears hear. He is living, say living. He is active, say active. And he is relevant in this world in 2017 that we live today. Who believes that? Who believes that? Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's good. That's good. Because I need that. I need to know that there's an enemy. But I also need to know there's a God. And that God is for me. And if he is for me, who can be against me? Nobody. Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited because that's the God I serve. That's the God you serve. 
some of my favorite verses, there's many of them, preacher, I want to just give you that as something today to take with you. And when these things happen, I encourage you. Every piece of it will be done. And when you're looking for the sword of the Spirit, you can look them up in here too. Read God's Word every day. Meditate on it day and night. It's a light into our path. But this is just a summary of some things that you can just read and speak out truth because the sword of the Spirit is more powerful than any fiery dart of the enemy. 